Welcome to the Physics Teaching Podcast, a podcast for teachers of physics made by physics teachers. Physics teachers like me, Robin Griffiths, a teacher of physics all the way from year 9 through to year 13. And physics teachers like me, Thomas WP, a part-time A-level only teacher of physics. And what have you done this week, Robin? After our last podcast triumph... Uh, <laughs> triumph. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, we've been. Um, I've been doing a radioactivity with year thirteen, actually, which has been quite good. I've been doing it actually with year ten and year thirteen at the same time because that's just weirdly the way our teaching order uh, tends to pan out, which is quite useful for our technician as well, actually, because the sources tend to be stored at, right over the other side of the school, so she has to get them from there. So doing it with two year groups is quite useful. I digress. I've been doing it with year thirteen, which is of course the core practical where they have to measure absorption for gamma rays and so they're having to use radioactive sources and it's interesting having talked about how people have heightened sensitivity around radioactivity and whether that is entirely justified given the actual level of risk that's involved it was funny because all the way through I mean we're at XLA level and they do 16 core practice 15 16 core practice I can't remember what the number is but I mean way more than they should have to but they do this huge number and many of them have to have fully assessed risk assessments most of which they sit there and wonder, you know, say, wear, wear stiff shoes in case you drop a weight on your foot yes. and things like that. It's just, you know. And I try to get it across that really the whole thing is about you think through what might be risky before you start anything. It is a good procedure in pretty much any job you do these days, but particularly when you're working in laboratories and working in technical services. But with the radioactivity, all of a sudden they woke up and they were, oh my goodness me. And I thought it was quite ironic that given that some of the things that had genuine risk involved in them, the one that I think is the most risky probably is the stretching the wire in Young's modulus, which actually really can flick up and take your eye out if you're not careful. Um, you know, they, they were very blasé about that. But when it got to radioactivity, where they perhaps had an excuse to be a bit blasé, all of a sudden they were right on it because there was a trefoil on the door and because there was all of this stuff. So, so, yeah, we went through it. And it was quite interesting to see how, how they, um, they handled that. But, um, but they got their results, and despite being a little nervous, they got into it and got working on it. And, of course, they were fine with it. Didn't drop it. Didn't drop it. <laughs> Good. Well, funnily enough, I'm doing Young Modulus this week with my student teacher, so I'm looking forward to that. And last week I'm teaching nuclear, almost radiation, and I started looking at the line of stability, the NZ graph, and it's a bit dry. So this year... I said to my technician, have you got a big, a big, huge sheet of A0 paper? And I told him what I was going to do. And he managed to find A0 graph paper. And we put two together and we made a massive graph. And then I printed out little cards of all the stable and some unstable nuclei, made them work out the N and Z. And then I gave them post-its and they had to cut the sticky bit of the post-it off, make a tiny square write what it was and stick them on the graph at all the class it worked so well really enjoyed it it wasn't dry and they slowly produced this incredible curve it was absolutely lovely then i was able to stand next to it with a big ruler and and show where the you know one-to-one was and how it drifted away from that and then we talked about the different types of radiation it was it was the the best i'd done it in all my career it was just no not dry i've sent them home to plot it for homework before it must be the worst homework ever (laughs) <laughs> Do you remember the um, OCRB, well, the dear old OCR Advancing Physics, where they used to have the Valley of Stability? They used to take the graph into three dimensions, so you'd have the NZ curve with the binding energy per nucleon curve for all the different isotopes. Yeah, I've seen that. The, I've seen that. That was quite nice. I've seen it built in Lego online as well. Oh, oh yes. I think we're losing the uh, non-specialists at this point, so let's Probably. cut to the, the chase. Um, what are we talking about this week? So uh, this week, Robin, I had a lovely chat with William, who contacted the podcast. And how do we contact the podcast, Robin? 
Well, we contacted uh, via Twitter, uh, or X as it is now, uh, at PhysicsTP. And email contact at thephysicsteachingpodcast.com. And we're also on Instagram, right? The, at physics underscore teaching underscore podcast. And where, Robin, where is there a contact form? There is a contact form at the bottom of the garden weather fair. No, no, it's <laughs> at the bottom of every single page of the website. The dot physics teaching podcast dot com that's it, isn't it so i had a lovely chat with william and contacted the podcast to talk about gcse astronomy so he wanted to talk about how he is teaching with two other schools in the area via teams let's have a listen hello i'm william h i'm a physics teacher. I've been teaching for over 12 years and I've been teaching GCSE astronomy for about nine years. Welcome to the podcast, William. Thank you for contacting us. And it's interesting to hear that you're teaching GCSE, but you're teaching GCSE astronomy remotely. So how does that work? So at the moment, we've got a partnership with two other schools. And so we are teaching... As there's a teacher in the room, I've got my students in front of me, uh, year nine and year 10, and uh, they're learning GCSE astronomy, but also over teams with a teacher in another room somewhere, other students are learning GCSE astronomy as well. So how many are in your classroom, so to speak? So we've got eight in the physical classroom, and then each other school has eight students as well, I think around that number anyway. And do you have to do it after school? Because timetabling must be pretty challenging. Yes, we do. So it's after school we run it uh, in the evening, which works for all the schools. I guess that works for astronomy. And do you only teach it in the winter as well? Or all year round? All year round. But obviously winter's better for, for getting though. We can just pull out the telescope at night. Okay, so your, your three schools, and I imagine you're quite near each other because you will want to do observations if the weather forecast is good. Yes, absolutely. So we, we've just started running it with the three schools. And yeah, observations is definitely something we want to do. And it'd be good to get all the students to catch up and meet up as well. Uh, the only problem is that it's the weather at the moment. Any time you mention observation, the clouds kind of come over. But uh, as long as it's clear, we should be able to get some uh, nice views. So why are you making this effort to teach GCSE astronomy to 24 children in three schools effectively in your own time after school why do you think that's important well I think it's it is really good um, and yeah it is uh, something you've got to be passionate for I think uh, doing the GC astronomy because like like you said it's added on to everything else so we're kind of doing this uh, on our own backs which is uh, which is good and good from the teach other teachers as well um, but I think the the real reason is just how passionate the the students can get as well and they they absolutely love it um, it, and it brings out a kind of different um, sort of skills from from the students as well. So they really like it, you know, looking at, it really broadens their horizons. They start thinking about the stars and galaxies and planets and things, and they they really like it. They, and it also uses their lots of different abilities as well, so uh, different subjects they, they use. So it uses their physics skills, their math skills, even history as well. There's a bit of that in there. And it was great the other day we looked at the transit of Venus uh, and we're looking at that and they they wanted to work out all the trigonometry and find out how far uh, Venus was um, <laughs> from the sun. So it, it is it does get them really inspired and engaged, um, which I think is great. Yeah, I guess if it's 
kids choosing to come after school to do it, they will be people who are really keen. It's nice. It's nice. And you have a different relationship with them, don't you? Yeah, great from that. And yeah, um, and to see as well some of their physics skills as well in action, I think, because you can see when you can see up there. So if you can see Jupiter, when uh, we look at Jupiter, you can see the moons going round and it really shows them that, you know, there's there's gravity up there. It's working. And also what's great is when you do do the observation nights their faces when they actually do look in the telescope you can tell when they, ha- they haven't seen it for the first time they're just like wow that's really cool so yeah the, it is good i had a lone once i must have been a, i don't know 30 centimeter reflector yeah and i had it for a few months it's one of those ones that tracks automatically oh yeah i managed to get it lined up on jupiter and i saw the 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 bands of jupiter for the first time that was yeah. pretty special and then you can see the moons and you feel like galileo don't you yeah, it's great. Yeah, and their their faces the first time, it's just yeah, they they re- really enjoy it. Yeah, and, and yeah, it is as you say, it's inspirational, and it's. I also think it sounds like it's good for keeping you in touch with other physics teachers. Because are you the only physics teacher in your school? Um, we do have one other part time, but it does it does help you get in touch with other physics teachers, which is great. So I, I like this model. I'm not sure if everyone could use you know this model and, and doing it, but. It does get you kind of talking to other physics teachers as well. I've been on a course as well for GCSD Astronomy, which is was quite interesting as well, because they there's schools that actually run it as a subject, um, like a proper timetable subject, because they have so many uh, students doing it. So it is, you know, there's scope for that and scope to develop that way, uh, which would be great. But at the moment, it's just a club for us. You know, I used to work at a school that did it after school, and they invited adults as well. That was interesting. And I think in my town, there's four or five schools. And they're near enough that you could do it like this and get together for an observation. That would definitely work. I think that's a model one could think about. Nice. Yeah. So, so William, give me a short promotional talk on why another teacher should do GCSE astronomy using Teams. Yeah. So I've got a few things uh, here written down. Um, and hopefully this kind of sells it to to someone. But I would say, you know, you're doing it in your own time. So that's one one consideration to make first. But I, I would say for um, kind of your own professional growth as well, you're running a, a subject. So you'll need to, you know, do exam entries and, and make tests and things like that. So it, it is definitely, there's a professional growth element there as well. Also, there's lots of disciplines that goes across. So I mentioned before, there's a lot of history and uh, it goes through with astroarchaeology in it as well. So how the pyramids were lined up with the Rhine's belt. So there's lots of things to do with that. And also it puts a lot of students doing STEM and things like that. So there's an engineering side and, and things like that. So it's really good uh, for getting that. So it might be that you're, you're a passionate for astronomy as well. Um, so it really is great, I think, for, for those sort of things, if you're interested in, in this. And do you think it feeds into A-level? Like, for example, will you choose Astro for your optional units at A-level? Yeah, we do actually, yeah. Which, again, we find, I find with Astro, it's kind of a, a more of a general interest one. Everyone seems a little bit in, interested in astronomy, but obviously it's, it depends on the students and, and their likes. Lovely. Well, we, we've, we've talked a bit about retention recently and it does make me think I should talk to my physics teachers locally and see if they are interested in doing something like this. So I guess it wouldn't have to be astronomy. I really like the model of a team session with another teacher in the room. So it doesn't have to be a teacher, does it? It's just the person teaching has to be a teacher. And I think you said that you take it in turns to run the sessions. 
Yeah, absolutely. And we, so we've got um, two of us are physics teachers and actually we've got another math teacher. So she helps us out as well. But it's yeah, it's really interesting having those links with other schools and, and chatting to other physics teachers. And we should be going on to so part of the course as well, which is quite good, is uh, making observations. So there's one part which is uh, use, un unaided. So just using naked eye observation and one using the telescope uh, or some kind of aided um, observation. So what we normally do, uh, we haven't done yet within this format, but I've normally done is um, using a shadow stick to find your uh, hmm. your position on the earth. And also, and then for the telescope one, because you can never tell with the weather, there's actually an online resource called the Liverpool Schools Observatory. And so it's a telescope um, that you can just log in and say, I want a picture of this. And when it's got a bit of free time, it will actually take a picture of that. And uh, some really great photos have come out of that as well. But normally we do kind of looking at the phase of the moon and looking at the craters on the moon and uh, and doing sketches and things like that. So there's some good observations that way as well. So that counts, does it, if they use an online telescope, as long as it's a, a, a something they've chosen and it's happened for real rather than just Googling a photo of Orion? Yeah, exactly, because you've actually kind of uh, set it all up. And it also is good if you... If you haven't got the resources to get, you know, a really high high spec telescope, um, obviously that's another option because they they've already got one that's that's there and, and people can use. So if you're worried about setting this up and thinking I haven't got any telescopes, I don't know what to do in that kind of uh, way, there are resources as well. Okay, so I will have to go and look at the Liverpool Schools Observatory and see what I can find. And I, I like astronomy. I like I, I, it is inspirational when you. When you look at something and you, when you look at Jupiter and Saturn, seeing Saturn's yeah. rings as well is also really special. Yeah. Uh, I'd say staring at a star that's slightly different color to another, another star leaves me a bit cold, but the planets are extraordinary. And to think the photons have come all that way and they're going into my eye and causing that biological function and making my brain see it, I just find that extraordinary. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Right. Well, William, thank you very much for your time and thank you for contacting the podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me on. So I enjoyed talking to him and I, I, I really felt this is the future. We started the podcast because we're a dying breed. Many, many physics teachers are the only ones in their, their school. Uh, and this surely is the way our declining specialism is going to have to be used in the future teaching remotely into multiple schools yeah it is it's um in many ways it's very sad it's not ideal it's it's not what we would hope would happen but year after year after year the numbers of physics teachers training is dwindling the numbers of physics teachers leaving the profession is increasing uh, and so i feel that this is an inevitability that i'm quite saddened about but increasingly phlegmatic about yeah, although it was really good to hear that he's making contact with other physicists in the area. I thought that was something we could learn from. It harks back to our retention episodes. And it was an interesting model, wasn't it? Once a week, each teacher took it in turns to teach the lesson. It did mean he didn't have to actually be there for two out of three lessons if he could find someone else to, to sit in. Although I thought he was quite enthusiastic and would want to be involved. Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was a really great model. And the thing is that... Uh, 
increasingly with with fewer physics teachers around you can see more of them reaching out just to, even to teach north i mean you could see a non-specialist in a, a school where they have no physicist to talk to reaching out to another local school getting that support from from a local physics teacher as you say going back to our retention episode before providing the schools support their teachers to take on that extra burden then then hopefully um, we can keep the subject alive and these skills we developed in lockdown will 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 stand us in good stead although <laughs> At the start of that interview, it took me 10 minutes to work out that my headphones were doing bizarre stuff. Every time I spoke, they cut his audio because they were doing voice recognition or something, new headphones. So it took me a while to unpick that. And funnily enough, I did teach as a specialist teacher in New Zealand. I taught physics to four or five kids all across New Zealand when I was in the middle of the South Island. I've seen people from the North Island, the South Island. It was great. It was really interesting, giving them practicals, and they would share. But it wasn't Teams. It was real video link. It was, you know, serious. Mm. <laughs> so I had TVs around the room. Yeah. <laughs> just, yes, the way it used to be back in the old days. But this is the thing, and Teams is getting more and more solid, and it's becoming more and more accepted. So I think that, you know, these things, we, we are increasingly it's creeping up on us that we'll have to add these skills to our, our teaching toolkit and take it on board and, and the more we embrace it the better and you look at people like Lewis doing GCSE and A-level physics online things like that those things are at the vanguard and um, we should support them they're, they're going to be an important part of keeping the subject going and it's funny at our school actually we had a student a couple of years back who wanted to read classics and when I say classics the classic classics if you'll excuse the expression uh, in other words they wanted to study Latin and ancient Greek A-level and funnily enough we don't get a lot of call for ancient Greek A-level no. these days. Yeah, who'd have thought? So uh, we had to basically team her up with kids that were spaced around the country who wanted to do ancient Greek uh, and uh, pull them together into a virtual classroom. And it worked, you know, very well. Um, and providing that the, the kids are pretty studious. I don't know how well it will work for a practical subject. So that's what, what yeah. makes me fear for it. Um, and, and like I say, I, I, I'm definitely not advocating this as the best way to teach physics. But I feel inevitably we're going to have to face up to it. And it, it would work for that, and it would, it would have worked for GCSE astronomy because they're self-selecting, aren't they? These kids are choosing to spend an hour after school doing astronomy because they're really interested in it. I'm not sure how it would work if it was a timetabled subject. Yeah, and I, I'm, I am, uh, you know, I'll go again and say that I'm very, very saddened that as a country, an advanced country who know the value and the importance of STEM in the future of the world, that the fact that we've come to this, that we're saying we have so few physics teachers that we have to teach online to week them out across the, the number of people, students who want to study it, is atrocious. It's, it's just not good enough. Now, what was it, 17% of the, of the target for recruitment of physics teachers? Yeah, most of whom then bug out and teach in private schools. Yeah. <coughs> 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 Can you say that? <laughs> Come back. Well, and or take an extended well, I, sabbatical. I, I always said this, you know, that I didn't spend so much time teaching biology and chemistry when I'd been yeah, working true. in a state school. I'd have been quite happy. But um, I, some, something, you know, stuck in my craw about doing that, particularly, as you say, when we had over 50% of schools with either zero or one physics yeah. teachers. To, to have physics teachers teaching most of their timetable at GCSE on chemistry and biology seemed ludicrous to me. Yeah, no, I, I'm sympathetic, and I think it is a well-trodden path as to start in the state and move to... To, to paid education sad though that is and that's the government need to fix that don't they sorry we're getting political we've never done this before are we trying to avoid that's because we're getting very cross we're getting cross, cross, cross. getting cross to getting political yeah I, I, I still think your suggestion which i think right in the retention was of having a, a pay scale for shorter subjects you, that could work uh, except there's no money anyway 
let's stop there because otherwise I'm going to start ranting. <laughs> oh, it's too late. I think we already did. <laughs> Maybe it's time to get your wife on who can talk to us about Yeah, she can talk to us uh, properly about this. Yeah. Well, I think for, what I would say is that, that, as always, if there's anything that you want to come on and discuss, even if it's to do with you know how you deal with physics teaching shortages, how you deal with the, the current situation, how you found teaching uh, in the state or private sectors, you just make your case for it. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, we really would. The, most people email us contact at the physics teaching podcast.com and I think that's a nice place to stop. Thank you, Robin. Thanks, Thomas. I'll catch you soon. Thank you for listening to the Physics Teaching Podcast. And special thanks this week to William H. The podcast is presented by Robin Griffiths and me, Thomas WP, and produced and edited by me with Robin doing the show notes. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you soon. <laughs>